0: For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com.
1: Hey, thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, where you're going to hear a valuable hunting-based conversation that's tailored for us Southern folk. If you love what we do and would like to support Southern Ground Hunting, you can visit patreon.com forward slash southerngroundhunting, or you can click on the link in the show notes below. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash southerngroundhunting. You can also support us by leaving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps more than you know, and we greatly appreciate it. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I'm joined by uh, the second female ever to be on the Southern Ground Hunting podcast. I had my wife on. Uh actually, you know what? That's not true because Kathy Perry was probably the first female on the show um whenever we interviewed Mike Perry. So, um the third actually, Olivia, you're the third female that we've had on Southern Ground and um excited to have you. We're going to start doing this little uh, I I'm I'm hoping it turns into a series, but we've th- there's this obvious gap between male and female hunters and and it's obvious every deer camp I go to uh is mostly men that are there uh every scouting trip or uh NWTF convention or expo everything is always men that are there and you see a few women um occasionally but there are sometimes where you find a woman who um, their hunting style and their determination and their grit is uh no different from any man if not maybe a little bit stronger than most men um so i'm happy to be joined by olivia glasgow today is that how you pronounce your last name glasgow uh
2: no
1: (laughs) how is it what is is it glasgow (laughs) glasgow well the w the the g-o-w got me with gal so olivia olivia glasgow is here and um olivia we're excited to have you
2: Well, thank you so much. I am excited to be on this, even now I'm the third, still top five, so (laughs) that counts. That's right. Um, Yeah, I'm I'm super pumped, and um, I'm glad that you asked me to come on.
1: So, Olivia, you don't come from a hunting background, correct?
2: Correct. I do not. Um, Nobody in my family hunted. We grew up fishing on the river, and that was kind of about it. I mean, you know, played with BB guns as kids and, you know hikes and climb trees. I mean, I grew up all over Central Alabama, but Walker County kind of areas where a lot of my roots come from. And so, of course, Walker County kind of in the you know middle of nowhere, back in the sticks. Yeah. So, in the summertime when we we're you know on our, at our river house for months on end, we had nothing else to do. We didn't have internet. We didn't have stuff like that. So we just we hiked and you know got twitty birds with BB guns and picked. That was about probably it. Probably so... And jumped off cliff.
1: So illegal, probably. <laughs> I thought about some of the birds that yeah, I shot that. when I was little. I'm like, that was probably not not uh, within the law.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think um, the first time, I actually, I mean, we were just shooting at them, not intentionally trying to, I guess, kill... I don't know what we were doing. We were kids, you know? Yeah. And I think uh, the first time I actually killed one, I, I cried because I was like, oh, no. <laughs> didn't mean to do that I just wanted to scare it off a post or something I guess but it was <laughs> it was a setting but um but yeah so yeah I didn't grow up with that hunting family whatsoever um not until I, I met my husband and uh, he hunt a good bit or he did hunt a good bit then so but yeah that's about it as far as until I was 27.
1: It's funny we um uh, we talk it, it's kind of hard especially this day and age because everybody has something to say about like like, um, man, and I don't want to sound in any way sexist, but it's kind of like the anything you can do, I can do, you know what I mean? And there are just some things that are different about men and women, uh, naturally, like a God, like God designed us differently. Um, I, I've taken my daughter squirrel hunting and I've taken my son squirrel hunting. And the first time that I ever shot a squirrel with my daughter, it was a different moment. She was like, oh, poor poor squirrel you know holding it and she wanted to take it home and revive it back and you know what i mean and my son was like yeah let's go eat it you know he was like holding it around like swinging it around by the tail and stuff there was like no none of that and so it's definitely there is there are differences but i think for you um with a lot of female hunters uh you see a life situation that allows them to hunt you see a lot of um particularly on instagram Uh, There's this whole like female huntress movement, right, that we've we've talked about it on the show Mm -hmm. before. And it's a little bit cringy. uh, But every once in a while you find people who are not that are not do not have the cringe level uh, that a lot of these people do. And to be fair, it's men and women who are that way on social media. I just think it's highlighted maybe a little bit more um within this space within the hunting space for sure um but you have a you have a, a situation a life scenario that probably isn't too different from most most you know women as far as like your your responsibilities tell us a little bit of, just so the listener can have some perspective you mentioned you have you're married uh tell us a little bit about that fam- family life and uh how that looks for you
2: well, I am married and I have two kids. I have an eleven-year-old son, um, Brody, who plays baseball and football. So we are usually doing sports year-round with him. Um, and then we have a four-year-old daughter um, who loves the outdoors. You know, <laughs> early on, he talked about your daughter being, you know, kind of sad about a squirrel. Well, she goes dev hunting with us, and she's pumped. Yeah, you know, she's kind of like our orchard, um <laughs> to go get them. But it, um. I guess I was always, like, in a, in a high-paced work environment where, you know, I was in catering for 10-plus years. I did all those fancy events, um, you know, weddings, galas, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's what I was used to. That's what I did, where it's, like, dressing up every single day, like, having to wear, like, business attire and, you know, just the constant go, 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 go. And so finally, I guess like about a year and a half ago, um, I decided to pursue this end of it, which made it difficult with the family life just because, I mean, I'm home a lot more now, but I'm also not home a lot because I'm in the woods majority of the time now. Um, But I still have that time where I can take my kids up from school and things like that. So um, from a family aspect, it's given me a lot more time with my family and also being able to share the woods with them and being able to teach them and stuff like that. Um, that is something that I cherish a lot. I think the world these days is just so fast and it's just so negative most of the time that you know people miss you know what's right in front of them. And so that's kind of what we as a family are trying to do more of: do more things together. Um, especially like my son; he's just he's always on the go. So it's nice to be able to get him out there and just kind of relax and take a breath every once in a while. So, but, um, so yeah, so that's kind of a, uh, my family, no more kids coming from me though. It's just the two, <laughs> boy and a girl, that's it.
1: <laughs> awesome. That's great. That's uh, and it's, and it's unique. Like I try to think of my wife, you know, she, um, works a part-time job. Um, we have two kids and I try to I've tried just while I've been preparing for this podcast to figure out a way like how would she even be able to hunt if she wanted to right like there's there's Mm -hmm. a lot of responsibility that comes with kids like you talked about your kids doing sports or your son doing sports and so you're always busy with that like my kids gonna my son's gonna start t-ball this year and I'm like oh crap this is gonna really mess with turkey season. How are you balancing, <laughs> like, how are you balancing mother responsibilities with hunting? Because hunting can be a very difficult thing to try to balance anything else with.
2: Well, my husband is actually, he's stepped up a lot. Um, so he takes the kids to school. Like when I do wake up really early and I leave, you know, like at 4am, I'll get things ready like the night before. Like I kind of lay their clothes out or you know, make sure they have breakfast stuff and, um, you know, I'll leave them a little note before I leave, but he usually takes them to school and then, um, I'm usually in the woods and then I'll pick them up from school in the afternoons and then make dinner and then kind of do it all over again the next day. But yeah, he's, he's definitely stepped up a good bit as far as like helping out that way. I can continue to pursue this dream of mine, I guess. Um, but it's, it's difficult. I'm not gonna lie. It's, it's extremely hard because there's so many days where you're in the woods I mean with me at least and it's like man I'm missing time with my family or I'm missing time doing this and that and um my house is a mess because <laughs> I'm not here and laundry <laughs> just piles up so honestly like our laundry room has been like a war zone for months now um just because I haven't been here to do it and it's like all those little things it's like I don't you don't really realize it, I don't think until after like season's over with and then you kind of just sit there and you like look around at your house like man it's <laughs> <place is> terrible <laughs> like I really need to like do better as far as balancing my time in the woods versus like my time cleaning which is something I'm learning like this is only my second year doing this um, so it's just been a uh, a learning process all around you know between the woods and home life.
1: So we have a mutual friend, Clay Harper, who has been on the show. Um, (laughs) If anybody doesn't know who Clay is, uh, Clay is probably one of the funnest people I've ever been in a deer camp with, for sure. But um, Clay was telling me about how you are just a student of the woods. Like, he's never seen somebody who just has the passion to learn as much as you do. And I think that that's super impressive. I think it's really cool. But you mentioned, um, first off, uh, your husband sounds like a trophy husband. Like I'm trying to, I'm sitting here thinking like, (laughs) if my wife started hunting, would I start picking up the kids from school? And it's like, "Mm, (laughs) I don't know, probably not, you know? Um, so kudos to your husband on that. Uh, but when I think about, I mean, you mentioned, you've been doing it for about two years now. What sparked that for you? Like, because it seems if you've only been doing it for a, a year and a half, two years, like what was the thing that was like, I got to get better at this. I want to do it. I want to do it this way. Um, And, and I want to preface that by saying for to the listener, like you've largely cut your teeth doing this like public land, doing it the hard way, you get out and scouting every day. Like it's not like you're going to some manicured property or anything like you're actually going out there and trying to figure it out what sparked that for you
2: right um well it was I guess January of 21 um I mean I had shot two bucks before but I had never I mean I had missed a doe one time but I'd never like shot an animal and not recovered it and so that particular day we went out and um I shot at the the biggest buck i'd ever seen this time which was an eight point um and i'm using a 6.5 creed more as well so that probably makes things a little bit more difficult and doing it probably the total illegal way too which now i've i learned the rules now but at the time you know my husband just had like a single ladder stand and i was like just sitting in between his legs and you know he'd hand me the rifle and i'm just kind of dangling you know 18 feet up in the air just if i lean too much i'm gonna fall so anyways it's free handing shooting and um i shot at this buck and we had some blood and tracked it for hours couldn't find it had a dog come out um couldn't find it and then i'm very hard-headed and i'm like i know i know i made a good shot on him like i know i i know he's gonna be dead somewhere and but I just couldn't let it go. And so I spent, like, the next few days just in the woods just searching, 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 like, doing, like, a grid search, doing everything I could do to be like, where is he at? And it just, it broke my heart. Like, I don't know if I've, I mean, I've felt heartbreak before. But, like, not recovering that animal hurt more, I guess, than anything had like, in the past 10 years almost. Like, I boo-hooed like a little girl. Like, I was just falling my eyes out crying. Because um, it just bothered me to know that it suffers for no reason, or you know, coyotes got it or something like that, and it just that just really bothered me. And so that's when I started researching, you know, like spot placement, or you know, like how how long can they live after you shoot them a certain way, or where do they go after you shoot them, or you know, if they're injured, what are they typically like going to do? um You know, how long can they live? Things like that, and then it just kind of spiraled, and then. Um, I just wanted to be back in the woods more because I was like starting to get that like obsession with it. So then I uh, bought a turkey gun and started turkey hunting on my own and was terrible with the mouth call. Still am, kind of, <laughs> but I can, I can manage.
1: I've been doing but, it since um, I was seven and I feel like I'm terrible at it. So don't worry about that.
2: Yeah, it's just
1: something else. But
2: I don't know. I just... Once I started like turkey hunting and getting in the woods more that year, I mean, I was going by myself. I think the first time I ever went in the woods by myself in the dark, I was pretty terrified. Because <laughs> I mean, it was just like, normally I've had someone with me or, I mean, you know, I know more of exactly where I'm going. Um, and then in those situations, it was like, all right, well, turkey hunting, you just kind of go pick a tree you think might be a good location and um also there's like you know coyotes and hogs and all that kind of stuff too so there was a lot of things that I had to overcome like all of my fears I guess um and spiders I hate spiders like I've had arachnophobia for the longest and I can't tell you how many spider webs I've walked into (laughs) at this point um or sat on uh and just you know kind of telling myself they're not there uh it's just been one thing after another, and so after, you know, turkey hunting and stuff, I still wanted to be in the woods, and so then I bought a bow, so I was like, all right, if I start bow hunting, then I can get the woods sooner, so then I taught myself, you know, how to bow hunt, and then just started scouting during the summer, started putting cameras up, starting, trying to figure out, like, their patterns, Um, and at that time, I wasn't really hunting public land. we have um, area in Walker County, it's a kind of a club, but not really. it's along the river, and I think maybe like two other people hunt this whole location, and so basically, where I was at, nobody had touched it in fifty plus years, so it was just you know extremely difficult because these deer have ample space to go um and so patterning them was exciting, because I was like, all right, why were they here on this day like what was what was their reasoning for coming through? Like, what was the wind? What was the moon? Um, and time of day. So I started kind of collecting all that data. And then, you know, had a pretty good speed. I mean, it, I finally, like, killed one with my bow for the first time. And that's, then a I two, so. that's, a, that's a big deal. That's a big deal, yeah. though. I mean,
1: yeah. you you started this progression uh, pretty recently. I didn't kill my first deer with a bow until I was uh 18. 18 years old and that was after hunting I got the first I shot my first deer at 10 years old and I was hooked in it like I was like doing it all the time like the fall was mm-hmm. for deer hunting and I'd take my bow out every year and I'd try to shoot one and I'd miss or I'd screw up whatever and I didn't kill my first one until I was 18 so the fact that you're able to do that um, is pretty impressive I think you were talking and I, I'm reminded of the was it schoolhouse rock that says knowledge is power. Um, yeah. yeah. You, and I'm, I'm thinking about how you started. You start. It all kind of stemmed from not recovering a buck, not recovering mm-hmm. a deer. I think I have learned more through my failure. Um, my failure has sparked more knowledge. And that knowledge turns into confidence. It really does. And so I decide, you know what? I'm going to try something maybe a little bit more difficult. And it all stems from a failure. Right, your your mm-hmm. your broadhead messes up, so you decide to go down the rabbit the rabbit trail of uh, heavier arrows and more effective more effective arrow setups, and that all comes from a failure that you've had, right? Um, yep. And so I think it's it's neat to see how you've done that, and it's kind of paid off for you, or at least it's uh it's expanded your passion, right? It's made your passion run a little bit deeper because you failed, which is neat.
2: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I have I, I think I, I posted this on Facebook. Like, I've ate my fair share of humble pie this past season because after, you know, last thing being, being my first season, again, on, on private land, so I did put corn out. um, And so this season, I made it my goal to, again, you know, do something even harder, which would be public land. Um, And of course, what do I do? I want to go to the hardest public land there is, which is Black Warrior, I think, in a lot of people's opinions. Um, So I made it my goal to, you know, shoot one with a bow there. And at first, my goal was, you know, all right, I'm going to do this before rifle season and scouted all summer long um, and found numerous great spots and had cameras out, all that good stuff. And then hunted my butt off, you know, from. In one till February tenth. So I think I I had a lot of issues um, going well going into it. I think I was overconfident because I was like, oh, I know where these deer are. I've got them. Like I've been in the woods more than anybody out here. Like you know, just from listening to you guys too, it's like you know, hunt the hunters, all that kind of stuff. So I was extremely cocky going into it. Um, Well, you know, I got knocked down a good bit. So whether it had been from and I call it a apparel malfunction uh, with a glove issue with my bow and missing the first buck I'd ever seen on Black Warrior. And then also Arrow went into a tree and it was
1: just a bad, just bad day. <laughs> and then, how many, how many, you know, so uh, hunting
2: in Black.
1: <laughs> how many deer did you end up missing this year? Uh, I think I saw it on a Facebook post. Three. You missed three. That's uh, three. So here's the way I see that. The way I look at that all on, all on Black Warrior.
2: No, um, one was black. Well, I missed one on Black Warrior, and then I missed an opportunity for another one on Black Warrior, um, just because I got I got down too
1: soon, like literally like five minutes too soon. But well, you were in the right spot. Certainly. Extremely... To me, what I'm hearing is that you yeah, was... you you it's hard. You are correct in that that's a very difficult place to to start public land hunting at, and you had opportunities. Mm-hmm. So to me, what I'm hearing is like somewhere along the way, like you figured something out um, because the opportunity is the hardest thing. The shot is usually the easiest thing, but I'm a lot like you in that I miss a lot. Right. (laughs) Like I'm a lot like you, um, but also I've been doing it longer. So like your misses are kind of a little bit expected, like you're just kind of getting those all out of the way. And what I feel like is probably going to happen is once you pinpoint where those misses came from. Um, it's probably going to just continue going uphill for you. And that's the reason why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because the fact that you're able to do that and do those things in the places that you, you're doing them is pretty stinking cool. And I think you probably have a lot more insight and knowledge to help somebody who is new, because honestly, Male, female, kid, whatever—it doesn't matter. I don't know a lot of people who decided to hunt Black Warrior one year and had multiple shot opportunities at deer, especially not deer in archery. <laughs> like that's that's cool as heck. Yeah. Um, tell me when you're scouting.
2: It was a lot for sure.
1: When you're scouting, what's uh, what what are you looking for? Like, what's your process as you go out to scout?
2: Um, most recent sign is you know kind of the first thing I'm looking for, because I have also learned, I've, I've learned so much, I feel like it's almost kind of like, you know, too much knowledge crammed into such a short period of time. And so, information overload. I mean, because again, yeah, you get information coming from all different directions and you're like, all right, well, if they've had success doing that, then I'm going to try that or I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that. And so I finally, at some point, I'm like, you know, I'm just throwing it out the window, and I'm just going to start doing what I find myself is successful or what works for me, um, because everyone's different everyone has a different style of hunting, and people are lucky people, and some people are not lucky people, like myself. So I just have to, you know, work a little harder at things. But yeah, most recent sign, um, whether it be like you know, fresh scat on the ground, you know, poop, or whether it be um, fresh grapes is kind of what I was really focusing on um, during both seasons up there, just kind of going into the pre rut. And, you know, rubs, not so much because I know that they make a lot of those at nighttime. And um, that was something else I had to learn too. So I had no idea the difference between a rub and a grape two years ago. If you were asking, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> I just. I know, grown, no I know grown men who uh-huh. call
1: a rub a scrape and a scrape a rub, so don't feel too bad about that.
2: Well, I, I mean, I think that makes sense. I feel like, you know, they're kind of scraping the tree with their antlers, but, you know. It does make whatever. sense. Yeah, <laughs> but, you're right. Um, yeah, the English language. Um, And so, yeah, fresh cat, um, fresh grape, um, food sources, transitions, you know, between, like, pines and hardwoods uh you know another thing I heard y'all talk about in a recent podcast was like the the lack of acorns this year that really hurt me because going into it that's what I was focusing on when I was scouting was finding these oak trees um and you know finding these trees that had like you know just the ground tore up up under them and and so that's where I was sitting at a lot of the times and then I started realizing all right well this isn't working out um you know, high-level areas, creek crossings, any of that kind of stuff. Like, I, I mean, I I don't even know. I never really focused on one specific type of terrain feature because there would be a ton of sign in a terrain feature where people don't really talk about that much, and then, you know, like on a saddle or something like that, there'd be nothing. So it was just a very hit or miss, especially with the acorn production. Um, being so minimal and I just I mean for newer people that are doing it I would definitely say you have to just get out there you just have to do it like don't just keep yes do your research for sure um especially in the different WMAs like you have to know your different regulations um you know um, the antler sizes and what days you can go out and you know what days are bow days or gun hunts, things like that there's a lot that goes into it. And two, I try to stay away from like heavily trafficked areas. Like I I never I didn't hunt
1: greenfields. I've beat myself up all season this year by because I didn't hunt any greenfields because you're not supposed to, right? Like that's just not what you're supposed to do right. on public land. Everybody knows that. You don't hunt greenfields. But there was some deer that got killed off greenfields this year because the acorn crop was so bad it's almost like there was some type of adjustment and I want to talk to like even in that I wasn't doing it and you weren't doing it right because we had it's just kind of a known thing in a in the circle of Mm -hmm. in the circle in this style of hunting we don't hunt the green fields on public land um but you're talking about information overload and holy crap like that's a part of it that's that's a part of information overload because you almost get to the point we live in a day and time where You can have every bit of information in the palm of your hand with the cell phone. Like, and everybody's got opinions. So I can imagine from somebody who is getting started in this right now, where you can Google Mm -hmm. search anything, you're going to have 18 different answers to one question. And so it's like, man, how do you, how do you sift through that and find the good? And what you said is absolutely true. You just got to be there. Like you can listen to podcasts and watch videos and read articles all you want, but if you're not going out and being there, then you're not really going to see it in action. So when I reached out to you yesterday about coming on the show, you said, uh, "Actually, I just got out, got out of the woods. You've been scouting uh, yesterday doing the postseason thing." Mm-hmm. Um, when you went out, did did you feel like? Do you feel like you're still early enough? in this progression of being a, a public land hunter, did you feel like you were able to put together a lot of things in this postseason time that maybe will help you next year?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um I mean I, I tell everyone like my nickname should be right place, wrong time. Because like you <laughs> said, I, I am in those right places, but I'm there at the wrong time. Um I even had a, a massive twelve point like almost charge at me at 4 a.m. <laughs> I was there one time and I didn't know exactly he was a 12 point until somebody posted in one of the groups like hey just saw a 12 point next to this you know truck along this road and I'm sitting there like that's exactly where I was you know yeah. like, it. and it was just a few hours after he had like come at me and then ran off um, but I definitely think that I have learned a lot um, because I think to um, another guy I talked to Jordan Pope, he told me that you know, during the summertime when you're scouting, um, you you might see bucks or a buck sign or similar, I guess, sign in certain areas. But that's just because they're kind of um, looking, knowing where those doe groups are for when the rut comes along. And I had no idea that. I thought, you know, like their summer core area was their summer core area. I had no idea that they had a purpose for really like checking out these different doe groups and knowing where they were. And so that kind of opened up my eyes a little bit to be like, okay, well. I haven't seen a buck there yet this season, but I know he was here last summer. So I know he's gonna be back in this area at some point during the rut. Um, which he was, that's the one that had charged at me. And then but postseason, um, I go back to those areas, like I've gone back to every area where um, I've had encounters with bucks just to see if they are still hanging out in those areas or if they were just there, you know, during the rut or if they were there because of hunting pressure um, you know, food source, whatever it may be. I think those are all things that hunters need to kind of look at post-season because, yeah, I mean, the rut is just, it's the rut. Like, the it's just crazy times for, for bucks. I mean, they, everything that they know kind of goes out the window. But when it comes into, like, really understanding the animals, I think it's kind of a year-long process um, of trying to figure out where they are and why they're there. Yeah, that's kind of what I was doing
1: yesterday. (laughs) Do you want to know more about saddle hunting? Well, you can go to tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you know me, you know that I love to have a system for all of my hunting equipment, where everything works together, and we preach about it a lot on this podcast. When you buy from Tethered, you can rest easy knowing that all your gear is designed to work together as a system. Saddles, platforms, ropes, climbing sticks, and a ton of other great gear, just for saddle hunting, can be found by visiting TetheredNation.com today. That's TetheredNation.com. Check them out. I remember, I remember when the whole concept of postseason scouting hit me. Whenever I first started doing it, and I started going, and what I would end up doing is going like towards the end of the season and like my February, a lot of my February hunts or January hunts would be spent scouting. I would consider those to be kind of the postseason season scouting um, mm-hmm. and hunting. I would go and hunt does or do something like that uh, if I was already tagged out, but it opened up a whole new world when you can, when you go in without, without, I think you, you're able to go into those areas without the pressure of I've got to hunt here soon. Right, the postseason right. you can go in and you can actually get into those spots and really like get into them. You know, it doesn't matter if you bump a deer out; you're not going to be there for a long time. You're just trying to figure out where he's spending his time. The other cool thing about it, and probably you've seen this too, um, and I mentioned it on the podcast before. The thing I like about postseason, especially in Alabama, is you're able to pinpoint thickets, uh, with the leaves off. So if it's if it's a thicket right now in February, beginning of March, before green up, then it's a thicket in, once the leaves fall off in November and December. And you really want to pinpoint those things, right? right. Um, yeah. Is there is there any... And it's easier to get in there. What's that? Say that again.
2: It's easier to get in there.
1: Yeah. To, to certain places. Absolutely.
2: Than, you know, at the yeah,
1: it's a lot more pleasurable to walk in in February to walk two miles than it is in August. So, um, I don't
2: know. Yesterday felt like August. Huh? <laughs> it was like eighty something degrees. Dude, it's yesterday like yesterday was in eight. It was terrible.
1: It's really, really, really hard for me to justify going out in August when I know. I mean, honestly, what I'm going to be looking for. I might take a couple days in the summertime to go and scout just to just to get prepared for the early season like trying to figure out Mm -hmm. what trees have acres when I say when I say summer scouting I mean like two weeks before deer season starts like that's when I want to get that information Um, everything else Mm -hmm. can happen during turkey season or postseason scouting so do you do much um are you doing a lot of in-season scouting or are you basing your spot selection on what you found in the off season.
2: um I mean I, I will do in season scouting like if I'm honestly kind of just because I'm so indecisive about where to set up <laughs> and and that's another thing like this is my first year using you know like a mobile setup so I've got the vanish vanish which I love and It works for me because, again, as a woman, we don't want anything like too gaudy because I've had a summit climber, and it's just, it's really difficult to make those, like, mile and a half hikes up and down ridges and things like that um, just because it's massive on me.
1: I love that you said, I love that you said gaudy, (laughs) like,
2: (laughs) they're so gaudy.
1: Most men would say they're so heavy. (laughs) Not Olivia. She says they're so gaudy. I like it. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I mean, I'm just trying to be honest with these people, especially if any yeah. women are listening. Like you're, a you're a girl. You're like, a woman. You you're not.
1: You, that that's the thing. That's the thing that I, I think is really cool and unique about you is that you're you are a woman. Like you're not a tomboy. You're not out there. You know that, that's that's not you. Like you're a lady, and you're a lady mm-hmm. who has a passion to hunt, which is even more unique and really cool. Um, so anyway, proceed with with all that. I just thought it was funny you called it Gotti.
2: Oh no, you're I've apparently used a lot of the wrong words, that No,
1: it's actually I, I think it's appropriate. I think it's great. You should keep calling it Gaudy. Don't ever change that.
2: Well Before I get on this other subject, so we I did find a shed up there last season and
1: I was with um one of my friends who's a
2: female hunter as well and when I, when I first found it, I was like, Good gosh, like look at the girth on this thing and she was like I don't think you're supposed to say girth and I was like, <laughs> well that's what it is it's girthy and she was like i think you're supposed to say math like it's got a you know heavy math on it and i was just like well <laughs> it's fine i'll just you know <laughs> i didn't know like to me i just think of like that's
1: the only way in my head to
2: describe it
1: so, it's funny it's like you don't know like a- when you don't know the like imagine somebody who's not a fisherman going on a fishing trip and hearing all these words that people use, you know, like my, even my wife, like yeah. she'll see some of, uh, some of the videos that we do and some of the, like, she'll hear me talking to buddies. She's like, why did you describe it? Like, and it's like, well, that's just kind of, it's kind of what it is. You know, that's how you describe it. Yeah. Um, that's funny though. <laughs> exactly. That's hilarious. Um,
2: so anyways, um, but yeah, so this is my first year using a mobile setup. And, um, so I found me an awesome stand and actually fits my frame a little bit better. um, I don't really pack too much in, in there. But still, it's it's around 27-ish pounds, 30-ish pounds, I guess. Um, and for me, it's, it's my workout, basically, throughout the season. So whenever I'm hiking in there, you know, I'll set up before sunrise. And then if I feel like I'm in a bad area, I'll get down and do some kind of, like, e-scouting on my phone on Onyx or something. And be like, all right, let me go check out this spot. And then I end up just kind of walking around the woods, being like, "Well, that spot didn't work. Let me go check this spot." So then I'm walking around with this almost thirty pound, pack, you know, pack for hours on end, <laughs> not even like setting up on anything. So I guess that's kind of more of my in-season
1: scouting. Um, it's done more online or actually just by mistake. <laughs> yeah. So you're you're a you're a woman kind of who has a passion that is largely ran by men. Um, So in that talking about gear and equipment, have you found it difficult to find things that are made for you? Like that you can, that you feel like you can use in. And by that, I mean, like I'm not going to find, I'm not going to find a whole lot of things that I want to wear at, uh, I don't know, some, a, a, a female outlet store or something like that. And most of the, most right. of the hunting stores and, and things like that are going to be largely geared towards men. Have you had any issues finding stuff that fits you? Not not necessarily clothing, but, like, gear in general.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's everything. And this is, like, a, a rant I can go on for days about because it's, for one, the sport is expensive enough as it is. Whether it be, you know, gas going to and from these places. Whether it be, um, you know, your your weapon, like, your your arrows your broadheads your guns rifle ammunition no matter what like it's just expensive everything is expensive um tree stands expensive um and then getting into the the apparel part of it first I guess there aren't very many I guess lines or brands that are geared just for women I, I know there's I think there's two of them just specifically for women that I know off by DSG and um like she from Cabela's or Bass Pro or whatever and the price difference in them is just outrageous because I know a lot of people are like yeah you should get this you should get that and I'm like this is only my second year doing this and I've already dropped like thousands of dollars on a bow and gun and you know a shotgun and turkey vest and all of this kind of stuff and now you want me to spend $200 on a pair of pants like no thank you I'm a TJ Maxx shopper okay like I don't want to spend $200 on pants especially some that I don't know what they they feel like I can't go into that store I can't touch them I can't feel them I can't try them on you know it's extremely difficult to make that commitment to something that you have no idea what it's really like and then if you go to, like, you know, Bath Pro and get, like, the SG brand of stuff, yes, it's a lot cheaper and more affordable. But at the same time, it's, it is cheaper, you know. It's right. cheaper quality. And it's going to fade faster. Um, and then, too, a lot of the times, they don't even have sizes in stock. Like, majority of the sizes that they keep in stock are, like, larges and extra larges. Um, and everything else just kind of like, well, you have to order it offline and just it's frustrating it is extremely frustrating because if I were a man I could go to anywhere you know work any store nearby and and pick up even Walmart or something like that and pick up a jacket or you know a pair of gloves or something like that but being a female I mean even finding those little tiny things is difficult um that or what you want because again hiking in these areas you want to be able to have layers but you don't want to have too many layers because you know, you, you're trying to limit, you know, how much you're taking in there. You know, you don't want to, like, keep adding weight on yourself. But at the same time, you don't want to freeze while you're out there. So, I mean, and boots is another thing. It's difficult um, to find good, like, women's hiking boots. But again that are, And, again, this is all just trying to find affordable stuff because I am a mom. I, am, I do have two kids. Um, and I've already dropped a ton of money on just everything else. Uh, So it's trying to, to balance like, okay, is this really going to be worth it to buy this or not? And I think I've, I've I've found a couple of the local stores (laughs) around here um, about their women's, I guess, section, because it's like a tiny little, like, you know, six foot little area, whereas the rest of the store, you know, hundreds of feet, square feet is dedicated for men. And, for me, I'm like, you guys would get so much more business. Like, cause there are, there's a lot of female hunters out there, maybe not mobile hunters, but maybe they just want to go with their husbands or something. But they're having to resort to going online and buying these items versus buying from a local store. And to me, I would much rather buy from a local store than, you know, some like big name online
1: store. Yeah. It's um, like, it's, it's then- the availability, right? Like, it's just. Right. Like whenever I if I'm in a situation where it's like crap, it's hotter than I thought it was gonna be, I need to go find a lightweight camo shirt. I can just run to Walmart mm-hmm. and go find one pretty easily. Or mm-hmm. uh I go somewhere else and it's a little bit colder and it's like, ah really underpacked for this. I have the security of knowing I can probably find something at Walmart or anywhere else. And I can imagine for a woman it's a little bit different. You mentioned um that there are a lot of other female hunters out there. I wanna interested through your process and your journey of getting into this um has there been ha, have you come across any other females that have the drive that you do um is that is that a, like a thing uh, that's pretty regular or or not really
2: no not really <laughs> not not at all actually um i mean they're i think i think kathy perry is probably one of the other females that i have talk to where she actually you know does a good bit of her hunts herself I know that you know Michael will go out there and help her and you know they'll they'll hunt together but at the same time um, she's just as knowledgeable and passionate about this as I am now finding other females that haven't been doing it that are new that want to learn and that want to go out there I mean I've come across there a lot that are like yeah I'd love to go I mean, they'll, they're all talk, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, just let me know when. And then you let them know when. And they're like, oh, I'm I'm busy. You let them know another day. Ah, sorry, I can't. And it's just like a constant, you know, excuse after excuse because I guess I've told them like how difficult it is. And, you know, it's a lot of hiking and, you know, going in in the dark and sitting there and it might be freezing. It might be raining. It might be, you just, you never know what's going to happen. But at the same time, it is something that is worth it. And I try to, tell everyone that, especially females that want to get into it. I'm like, look, even if you don't see anything, just sit sitting out there and just being able to watch the sunrise or, you know, whether it's any animal kind of comes in front of you. It's just it's nature, you know, it's something that's not planned. It's just unexpected no matter what it is. Um and it's just it's nice to be able to experience that with someone else, um, especially. So I would like to be able to expand that community, uh, especially in Alabama, because I do think that there are a lot of females that could potentially be as hardcore <laughs> as me, um, but they just don't have the tools. They don't have the access. They um, they don't have a mentor or somebody to go with. So hopefully one day I can kind of get a, a group together and kind of like lay down some basics. For, for just women, I guess, and children, um, but that's kind of a, a long thing kinda Yeah, I definitely would love to have some female companions yeah. out there.
1: I'm I'm wondering about family dynamic stuff. You we we talked a little bit about it at the beginning. Um, you, you said your husband he used to hunt a lot more than he does now. Is that because you've kind of started doing it so much, and so there's other responsibilities? Did he get out of it? Like, how did that work? Because I mean, you you mentioned Michael and and Kathy Perry, uh, they're both pretty hardcore. It's easy to understand how she got into it because she wanted to, you know, maybe spend more time with him, um, whatever things like that. Like, she's into it for sure. Uh, but there's there's definitely a reason you're going out. Seem like most of the time by yourself. Um, how does that work with you and your husband? Uh, well,
2: it's not easy <laughs> it's been an up and down thing for sure and he I guess he never has well I guess he's kind of public land a couple of times but he's not really a mobile hunter and his style of hunting that he grew up with was going and sitting in a you know a tree stand like with his granddad and you know leaving by 9 a.m and going and getting breakfast somewhere and that was just their what they did and which is fine that's there's nothing wrong with that but I think he didn't understand at first why I was so obsessed with this and why I was so passionate about it. And so that was frustrating for him. And he got, I think, really sick of me talking about it all the time. So he kind of says <laughs> I ruined hunting for him. Um, but, I mean, he he'll he supports me as far as, like, what I'm trying to do, where I'm getting at. But he's also really frustrated <laughs> with how <laughs> much I'm trying to do that. Um, I mean, I've asked him to go with me multiple times, but again, he's more of like, you want me to go where in the middle of the woods with no service and hike, how long, and maybe have a chance of seeing a deer? No, thank you.
1: That's a wild (laughs) dynamic. Y'all have such a, a a crazy dynamic. Um, it's cool though. It's unique. And and the the funny thing to me is like, um, like your husband's like a a, a burly man, you know what I mean? Like he's not, Mm -hmm. he's not like a... he he's not like the kind of guy that that you would think would be uh. What's the word I'm looking for? He's not the kind of guy that you would think would be against hunting or not a hunter. Like he looks like a, a bearded, burly man. Like he is a man's yeah. man, and so it's just funny to hear your yeah. dynamic and talk about it. And you're a, you're a, you're. A, I love how honest you are about it too, and it's just hilarious though to think about that dynamic. Um, I want to know, do your friends, like, do they make fun of y'all for it? Like, do they give you a hard time about it?
2: Um, I think they just feel bad for him. Because
1: <laughs> he has to put up with I think it.
2: That they're just, yeah, I think they're just more of like, you know, uh, well, he calls me uh, during deer, deer season. He just, he calls me like his, his best friend or like, here's my man friend or something. Like, she's not my wife. She's my man friend. <laughs> and. It's oh, just, you know they kind of hearing about it too, and uh, but now he's taking on this past season. He's already getting into depth hunting. Oh yeah, and so yeah, he's he's obsessed with that now. And for him, that's his his style. Like he likes to just minimal, you know, hiking, not much walking. like you, know, you just kind of go and you you sit, and you do a bunch of calling, and um, you don't have to stay still for very long. So that's just kind of that's his little niche, and. I told him I was like, "Well, I'm going to get into duck hunting too." And he was just like, "No, you cannot. Like, let me have my thing. Let me just have one thing." <laughs> I've
1: so, heard duck hunting is uh, uh addictive. That it's it's tough to not duck hunt once you've been once. So I just don't go.
2: Oh yeah. Well, that and it made even better like for me on my end at least because at this particular WMA that we were going to, um, I was deer hunting a certain spot like close to the river and our was sitting there one day and I was like, Man, I'm pretty sure I just heard a bunch of ducks. And then so the next weekend or the following weekend, we went duck hunting and I was like, All right, let's just like the night before, I was like, let's just go to this little hole and see I'm pretty sure there's ducks in there. there's guided ducks in there. I know I heard them the other day. And as soon as we're like going in, like with the boat or whatever, like two mallards like fly over us and <laughs> I was just like, All right, so I'm great at duck scouting too because yeah. obviously this is a great hole. And then yeah, so we saw a bunch of ducks. who didn't kill any the next day. Uh, he actually missed one. But um, so I think he, at that point, was like, "All right, maybe she can come. Maybe she can get into this." He a finally got
1: message. he got invited into the club, into the duck hunt club. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. And that
2: can be something we can do together. But yeah, I just think that the hiking and all that kind of stuff—it is—it's intimidating for a lot of people um, to do, especially. I mean, it's. It's an active, like you have to be somewhat active or not necessarily in shape, but it will whip you into shape um, Yeah, a lot of these places. And so I think, yeah, definitely duck hunting is something that we can,
1: we can enjoy together. But (laughs) what are your kids interested in? Like, are they, are they on the, on the deer train too, or do they just watch mom and dad waste all their time in the woods? My son, uh,
2: I bought him a bow last not this past Christmas Christmas before and I mean the first time he ever shot it I mean it was like perfect bullseye and I was like there's no way that's not fair (laughs) but um I practiced for months you know trying to get mine so he actually is he went with me um mobile hunting on public land more than anyone and you know took his like I had to set up a stand for him but and he was all about it. He was like, Yeah, let's go. It's like waking up at two AM, getting out there, sitting in the tree, like doing he was putting in the work during the summertime, you know, um, with his bow, making sure that it was um sighted in correctly and uh, he loves it. He loves deer hunting. Um now, turkey hunting, he's been a couple of times and he usually ends up just falling asleep on the ground <laughs> when we're out there or like scraping moss off a tree. You know, just boys do. I guess. Yeah. Uh, but he is excited. The older he gets, I think the more he's into it. He's got a mouth call now, and he's got a box call he's been practicing with. And um, I think me too. Just talking to him about it all the time gets him fired up. And my daughter, she always asks, like whenever I come out of the woods, she's like, "Did you get a deer? You know, or did you did you get a turkey or a gobble?" I think was what she called it last year. And um. She she loves being in the woods too, so I think it's something good for us going forward, hopefully. Hopefully we can get her more next year since it didn't happen this year and then I don't know, my daughter's too loud right now to take her out in the woods. So
1: I hear that. I understand that. Four years. <laughs> my uh my daughter my kids it's funny, we were talking about this. My my both my kids used to it wasn't really a speech impediment, but they used to say girl, they would say gore so little gore or, that's how this is how they would always say it. yeah and now um they don't say that anymore they've corrected that and they say girl me and my wife are the only ones who say gore in our house just because we got so used to saying that because of our kids they always oh, have yeah. little things like my kid daddy you shoot deer daddy you shoot gobbler you know what i mean um yeah so you were talking about that and i was thinking about it's like yeah, it's pretty funny how we all have different things that our kids call certain things and we end up calling them that too um
2: oh yeah
1: that's really cool, Olivia. I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing your passion. That's really just what I wanted to highlight is your passion. I think it's important to to do that whenever, especially for me as a content creator, Like I'm trying to find these people that are doing something a little bit different than everybody else, and you definitely fit that bill. Um, you're, you're as passionate about this stuff as I am. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story and, and your family life and how it all works with your hunting schedule. I think it's, it's unique. It's really cool. And I appreciate you talking about it.
2: Of course. And I do want to kind of jump on like one other thing if we have time. Absolutely. We got plenty of time. So I think talking about, I guess not necessarily like the husband dynamic of it, but for having female hunters that want to go with me, but being married and being, I guess a blonde female makes it, Difficult because the people that I can find that will go scouting with me, or that want to talk to me, or that I can hang out with are men, and it looks bad, I guess, um, to a lot of people because they're like, well, why is married woman hanging out with you know two grown men, you know, in the middle of nowhere on public land? And it's just men don't experience that like females do, and it's just like, well, you know, those are the only people that I can get advice from, are the only people that I can talk to about it. Uh, and it, that's another struggle in itself um, for married females trying to do this. It's just, we have a past, we want to do it. But being in the South, it's, there's a lot of things that are frowned upon or that you're not supposed to do. And there's these lines, you're not supposed to cross. So yet, in order to achieve your goals it's like well there's no other choice like I don't have I want to talk to people about this I want to get advice from whoever I can I want to learn and it's only people that are willing to teach me or you know grown men or something then yeah I just what other choice do I have I mean yes I I learn a lot on my own at the same time but I, I think that that's a big struggle too for a lot of people is that or for for women if they're husbands aren't into it as much or if they want to learn it if they don't know any other females that have the time to go out with them or um or in their area whatever it may be i think that it's it's something that should kind of be equal as far as like you know just having friends you know like a female a married female like having male friends especially like in the hunting ones because it is male dominated and so. I don't know. I think that that's just something that is old school that I kind of want to to bring to light a little bit more and be like, you know what, it's 2023. Like, I mean, we have freaking bathroom signs where it says, you know, male, female, whatever to go into, but yet I'm not allowed to have a male friend to go into the woods with, you know, to to learn something from without it looking a certain way. And it's just, it's it's frustrating in that sense um, because I know, like, Clay has been so helpful Um, and I've learned so much and it's just those relationships are relationships that I will cherish. And that advice is something that I will remember and be so thankful for for the rest of my life is because like there was nobody else for me to reach out to, um, to get help from. And I I, I appreciate those people, but I also don't appreciate, you know, just kind of the backlash it comes with sometimes.
1: Well, you know, I think it takes a certain type of, Uh, a certain type of relationship, right? Like when I said Mm -hmm. kudos, kudos to your husband, like seriously, kudos to your husband, because it takes a secure dude to, for that to even be a thing, right? Like you're trying to go out and learn. So kudos to you on that, but also kudos to your husband for understanding. Like there's got to be a, I think that's the important thing is there's got to be a trust level at like a thousand Mm -hmm. for that to even be a thing. And As far as I'm concerned, that's y'all's business. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like, the y'all handle that. If somebody wants to wants whatever, you know. And I think it's it is very specific to the situation and to the relationship. Um, I think your husband when he's absolutely a a trophy husband for um Mm -hmm. for your situation for what you're doing and that's and honestly one of it's one of the things that I thought was so unique in interesting about you is that dynamic it's a it's an interest it's a weird dynamic it, and by weird i don't mean like stupid i mean it's just not normal um it's not right. it's not the, it's not status quo and uh but it is very important to your progression right and i think right um i think it's a, a good husband who lets his wife kind of follow her dreams and and do the things that are necessary for that so I think it's, it's cool. And, and anybody who thinks otherwise or whatever, who cares what they think? Um, they're not a guest on a right. podcast. So
2: attitude. So kind of attitude. Um, I'm, I'm, I have, I mean, I am, gosh, I've, I've gone through a lot in my life. Um, and so I always tell people, I feel like I'm an 80 year old lady in a, you know, 33 year old body, but just because I have had those experiences, that a lot of people had not had, and a lot of people this this day and age are just so naive to what reality is. And yeah, like they see these females going to all these different shows. Like I know you just got back from N W C S and I'm sure there were females there with you know tight skirts, short skirts, and nah, you no, know, they, to... they weren't there. They weren't
1: there. Didn't nobody noticed them?
2: Sell these products? Oh yeah, no, I didn't see tons of pictures of people <laughs> with them. Um, And so that's the perception that they give off to men because it is male dominated. Yeah. They want to sell stuff. Um, And I think if, if I were an unattractive female and I'm not, you know, tooting my own horn or anything, but I think that that does make a difference. Like if I were an unattractive female married or not, I think that the, I guess the image of it would be totally different. Like it would just be fine. But it's just the fact of being like an attractive female and also married and get trying to get advice from other males. It's like their wives or whoever it may be. It's like people just automatically just get offended or have a guard up or something just because of people like at the shows or on TV of making it like that's what women do in this industry. And it's not, you know, like I want to teach people that we can be out there and, we can still be females, you know. We can still have to put makeup on every now and then, and dress up and look nice. But we can still, you know, go in the woods and and enjoy it just as much um, without feeling judged or anything like that. So it is, yeah. It's definitely um, there's a lot. There's a lot I think for fem- for females and just for non-traditional hunters, like late onset hunters as well. Um, That we have to go through that a lot of people don't think about and when you're both a female and it's newbie at the same time and married and don't have anyone else to teach you or anything like it's just there's a lot of challenges to overcome but i mean if you have a passion to do it then you can do it you know
1: set a goal you can achieve it that's awesome olivia thanks so much for coming on that's perfect timing is right at one hour right now so perfect fantastic Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook or Instagram or subscribing to the YouTube channel. And you can be sure to check us out at southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, read some blog articles, and all that good stuff. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember that God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We will talk to you next week.